Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this so Danny, episode two And we're back We're back, felt like uh, not that long, but nope. had a little bit of a break Had a birthday in between Yes, happy, we did Happy belated to you Thank you very much just gave me an excuse to get you some some gear for of the show, you That's know, right. some, some merch. We got to post that somewhere. We do, we do, because this is cool. The 3D printer with the lights behind it. This is an original piece. Shout out to John Luca, a one of one. Shout out to John Luca, my bro in law. It's a great piece for sure. Love the song too. Let's I mean, get down to business. We have to get down to business. But that one line, like "Mama, please don't wait up." Oh, just reminds me of something that you would call your mom and say, you know, or you when you're working two jobs, right? Half bank, half restaurant. Those are the days. Just try, driving in from like Bradford. Bradford. Yes. Yeah, those are the days. To King and Bay. Go train. Go train. Got caught up on my sleep for sure. Okay. Okay. So all good. All good. Episode two, Rookie to Champion is the title of this one. So left up episode one of why we got into the mortgage game. Today, we're going to bring a little insight in terms of uh, how you became a champion in your first full year of the business. Kind of more of an interview style. Okay. Want to give people insight of, of what you did. So walk me through that. Come in. We left off that you were a rookie hungry. And so what activities are you doing? What, what were you doing to set yourself apart in your first year? So let's start with the mentality. Okay. Just because Conor McGregor said this first doesn't mean I didn't believe this the second I started working. Okay. I wasn't there to take part. I was there to take over. Wow. And I know every time you looked at me and you said, Dan... If you're going to roll with the goats, you got to prove yourself over time. And anytime I called you and said, Paul, I feel like I'm becoming one of the goats, you, you shut me right back down. Right. And you said, if you want to be the goat, you got to show consistency over time. That's right. So many things that you instilled in me from the start, from a fear perspective almost, mm. really pushed me. So number one, you said, Dan, you got to hit the pavement running. And I'll never forget that. Everybody and your mother needs to know what you're doing. Right. So that was my first thing. The next thing you said is, Dan, break your back for two years and be relentless with your business and your time. And your phone will just ring after that. You won't be doing as many activities. Not that we're not doing activities, but we need to. We're more in the office now doing deals and building structures and processes because, you know, we're writing 15 to 20 million dollars a month with three people. Uh, two support staff and myself. Well, I guess three support staff and myself. And you said, don't rely on the branches. And why I'm saying the branches, because when I first started, I was an MMS, mobile mortgage specialist. You said, go out there and build good relationships so that they're healthy no matter what. Right. Referral sources. Yeah. Right. So I took that back and said to myself that I'm going to break my back right. for the next two years. And I'm going to be relentless with my time and my business. And I'm just going to make it happen. Right. I also really wanted to be either nominated or to win the Rookie of the Year Award as a new mobile mortgage specialist. Yeah. So first and foremost, I had goals in my, in my mind. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest thing. And I always wrote them down. I had a little book uh, that I got from one of my real estate office, which I still have today. It's actually my closet in the other room. We're just in the studio now. And it has the goals that I wrote for myself when I first started as a mobile mortgage specialist. Yeah. Now, I took a step back and said, if I go after consumers like 
uh, friends and family who are home buyers and advertising online and things of that nature, I will build my business. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take a lot longer than it would if I were to go to people that are out there hunting for people. And I know that doesn't really make any sense right now, but what I'm trying to say is that I only went after centers of influences. Yeah. I only went after people that could send me business. That's right. And I focused on them as my clients, not the actual client. I focused on the center of influence as my client because automatically it made me treat the person that they're referring me as gold. Because if I didn't do a good job with the person that they sent me, they will never send me another person. So my plan of attack was to go after real estate agents, yep. financial planners, investment advisors, accountants, and lastly, lawyers. I think that through my journey as trying to accumulate and onboard as many referral sources as I have, I've shown a lot of people that realtors are not the only people that are going to send you business. That's right. And I built very healthy relationships with financial planners and investment advisors with, within all the major banking networks that have trusted me to take care of their clients. Now, Paul, you always say this. You pick up the phone and you talk to a referral source. What do you say? I'm, I'm going to pick up the phone every time you call. I'm going to get the deal done for you. I'm going to be fast. I'm going to be responsive. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Table stakes. Right? Yep. But what's stopping another mortgage agent from saying the same thing? They all do. So what was my value, value prop, prop when I was a nobody? Right? And not to say that I'm a somebody now. I still think that I have long, a long way to go. But I am proud of where I've gone to. But what was my value proposition to these people? And thinking back to it, it feels like ages ago, but really it was only a few years ago. And my thing was that I'm going to treat the referral source with a white glove and they're automatically going to see what it's like to deal with me. Because at the end of the day, let's talk about a realtor, for example, what do they want? They want their commission, which means that if I don't get the deal right, they're not going to get their commission. So there was a lot of pressure on me to make sure that the files get done and done on time in order for the real estate agents to get paid, for example. So that was number one. Number two was I was not afraid to ask for the business. A lot of agents are either nervous or are scared of rejection. I wasn't because at the end of the day, 10 are going to say no, one's going to say yes. And over time, I'll accumulate 30 and I'll build a hundred million dollar book, right? Couldn't agree more. And the third thing, which when I was at the bank, I kind of got criticized for was I invested in my business. Yeah, I'm no huge. I, do you, I don't know if you remember, we, I onboarded a team of real estate agents out of a fluke. Yep. Like I met this one agent at nine o'clock at a coffee shop and he was talking on the phone with a client and I was behind him and I overheard the conversation. We both ordered coffees. We were both waiting at the end at Starbucks at the end of the, at the end of the counter. And I said, Hey, I heard that, you know, you guys are having troubles. I didn't mean to eavesdrop or anything like that, but I'm a mortgage agent or I'm a, I'm sorry, I'm a mobile mortgage specialist. Is there anything I can do to help? And instead of looking me like I was interrupting his coffee, evening coffee, or I was eavesdropping on him, he goes, look, this is the situation. And I was so surprised. Clients bought a house. This was in the middle of 2017. So client bought a house. They're trying to sell. The market has shifted. It's corrected now. They can't sell. And they have a firm APS on the uh, agreement of purchase and sale on the next property. What do we do? Their down payment was supposed to come from the, from the, the sale of the existing property. So I said, look. Been in this situation many times. Absolute lie. I've never been in that situation before. But I knew. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. That's right. But I knew 
that I had a team uh, supporting me, like yourself and other members of my team that have seen the scenario before, and I would figure it out. Right. I would do what it takes to figure it out. Yeah. So long story short, we ended up turning it into a rental. We pulled out the equity from the property, use it as a refi, whatever. He was super impressed. We closed the deal. He was happy. He goes, listen, I'm, I'm part of a team. Uh, I'm actually one of like the leaders, I suppose. It was a team of four or five. And I'm going to start sending you all my business. And I said, I really, it means the world to me. And that I will do what I, what I have to do to make sure that you and your clients are happy within my means, obviously. And I asked him, I said, right away, I said, can we please have a meeting with your team? And he was all for it because he was coming off a high, right? Because we just closed a crazy deal that he thought was going to go into. Yep. So luckily, my uncle owns a restaurant. Right. Right. Yeah. Shout out Master Roberto. That's right. That was a good lunch. I remember oh, that, that lunch, actually. So we set up the back room. Yep. It was very, very elegant. And it looked like I was a somebody. And I don't want to come across to say that you have to show off and, and, and kind of do things that are not within your scope or within your means. But the, per- the perception is important, right? Like if you were to show up to uh, an open house, for example, and the real estate's wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt, you wouldn't take it as serious as if, you know, the real estate agent was dressed up in a suit, maybe not a tie or whatever, and, you know, look professional, look clean, look groomed, because it matters. People are going to look at that. We had a beautiful lunch, and I've been working with that team for the last four years with every single one of them. Yeah, that was a good lunch. Hard to get in a few words here with you. I'm just making notes because there's so many things uh, to to jump in on. And and what I want a lot of the the listeners to take away are a lot of the things that we, we preach and practice, which is what has led you to the nickname Excellence of Execution. I'd still put you as a Patrick Mahomes. You're not Tom Brady yet, just Definitely by the not. way. One, you know, one championship. We saw a lot of that. So so you're still on your way there, but when we say the GOAT, and, and it's all about wanting to get there because a lot right. of people are just happy doing, and nothing wrong with it, 5, 10, 15 million. Listen. Whatever floats their boat is right. great. Yeah. That lunch, and when you say being a somebody, I want, I want to say, and you, and you positioned it perfectly, it's about calling in advance and being prepared. So when you're speaking to the owner of the restaurant, which obviously we know my father, your, your so-called uncle, you know, Italian Not uncle. Not so-called Right. Uncle. He, he looks my, it like that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We kind of look the same too, I think. Yeah, well. Minus the height and the hair. Right, right. But by you calling to say this is a very important lunch to me, I want to have this on the menu doing set and with, with the wine and all that other type of stuff, whatever it was, you know, you could have gone somewhere maybe that was a fancier doing that type of stuff, but you've always invested in your business. And the three things that I want anyone to take away from this for anyone that's new to the industry of what, you know, if there's, if there's a few things that you listening is focus on center of influences and you know, what, what you always did. And and this is something that we preach to our teams is it's not just realtors. It's, it's giving them white glove service, the financial planners, the insurance, the, the solicitors, all that type of stuff makes a difference. These are anyone that's seeing Constant customers that are in the real estate side are going to send you deals. The second thing is not afraid to ask for business. I, I, that's one thing I adore about you. I think anyone we bring through the door, you need to build thick skin. And rejection is a serious thing in this. And I always talk, and, and what you guys are going to find out is I'm a big sports guy. I always tell any agent or any mobile mortgage specialist, you got to sit on the bench a bit. By sitting on the bench with the realtor is when it's your time to become a starter, you get a deal, you got to go in and make an impact. It's the only way you're going to get more playing time, which you did with those. And that was only your first shot. You just met them. But there's a lot of realtors, which we'll save for later, where you kept asking them, when's my deal coming? When's my deal coming? We'll talk about when you were in the realtor office, because I love some of the things you used to do kind of 
just like a, a little timbit of it when you would call me pretending I was your client walking around the office talking about like it's a real deal and people were like holy smokes this guy's busy and I don't want people to think about faking it till you're making it but well, there are, my, there's that's, little that's my mantra that's man. little intricacies that's right it's about it's about being strategic so let's call it strategic and the last thing is is yeah like like I said investing in the business what I do want to also talk to you about because you touched a lot about activities building center influences is one thing that we did a lot was that I told you is we gave you this whole list of activities and I said, see what sticks and what doesn't. That's right. And so for you, open houses didn't work. No. So why not? Why not? It's a good question. Could be a lack of motivation. I don't think it is, but it could be. And I don't want to rule that out. But anytime I would spend time in an open house, the realtor is busy, you know, schmoozing with the people that are coming in. You know, I would always bring coffee or water, something that's easily, you know, disposable, maybe fruit bars or uh, chewy bars, stuff like that, just to show the support. And it's more so to sh show the support to the real estate agent as opposed to try to pick up clients there. That wasn't the purpose for me. But I always found that the open houses just, I ended up just sitting in the corner with people asking me questions about, you know, getting pre-approved and things like that. And then when it came to like actually exchanging information, it was kind of like, we're not so comfortable. We just met you kind of thing. And maybe it was a lack of experience for me at that time. But I just didn't find them. I didn't find them to be a good source of business for me. I found my time better spent with other things. So, for example, what I would do is with an open house is if I knew a realtor is having an open house, I would come early in the morning. I would drop off those things so that the realtor has something else that they can focus on, like setting up the home or whatever. Uh, and they're not worried about the, the beverages and the, and the snacks. Uh, but I wouldn't stick around because I'd be I'm better suited to either underwriting or making my phone calls or going to see the people or. If somebody has a closing on like a Monday afternoon, I'd go see them that day. I'd say, you know what? Congratulations. It's a big milestone. You just bought a house. And I'm, I always said, I always said to people, thank you for letting me part, letting me, letting me be part of your journey because it's not said enough. Like it's so kind of crazy to think that us as mortgage agents, mobile mortgage specialists transact millions of dollars a year and have people owning assets, and we don't thank them enough. We also don't thank our partners enough, like our uh, underwriters and fulfillment specialists and our BDMs and, and our managers. And, and I think that just picking up the phone to say thank you to an underwriter with a challenging file goes a really long way. And I think I maybe skipped a little bit ahead, but being thankful and understanding what we have at our fingertips here as mortgage professionals really keeps the drive and motivation going for me. And I have never woken up and said to myself, "Ugh, I got to go to work. Never. I wake up every morning, no matter what the situations I'm dealing with are, I am excited. Because at the end of the day, for every problem, there is a solution. And I've learned that over time because I don't remember if you remember, Paul, I'm sure you do. I lived in your office for seven days. One of the first files I've ever did. Very clean file from an income perspective. Down payment was massive. We sent out the appraisal and the property comes back non-habitable. Yep. And the file has got to go to risk. I'm brand new. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to tell the clients. The underwriter's giving me a hard time. She's telling me I got to do a construction draw mortgage because they, they won't finance it properly so on and so forth. I'm having multiple panic attacks multiple times a day. And I am literally like sitting next to Paul, 
maybe crying almost trying to figure this out. And it took the underwriter a week to get the solved for us. Mm-hmm. I don't think I slept this once. This business isn't for the faint of heart, no. as I always say. Right. right? And I, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was getting into a really stressful business. But what I did realize from that uh, interaction is that number one, support is everything. You need people in your business, in your life that are going to support you. It's going to make things be easier. It's going to make them more digestible. It's going to be just much easier for you to navigate through your professional and personal life. Relationship management's huge. And basically, you know know what? I think you should talk about how my relationship management and I like listen. I don't want to make make myself look bad, but it sucked. Because yeah, it was something you had to work on. You were very passionate about the deals. And speaking of, right. and I, I don't want to digress. When you say you wake up every day happy, it reminds me of Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> right? Man who worked for passion, always richer than man who works for money. And I think, and I think people that are passionate about the game. And I tell everybody this: I should go get listen, that tattooed. No, no, but go listen to podcasts. You know, it, whenever I hire someone who's huge into sports, I always say. The only way you're going to succeed is every morning when you're waking up looking at Yahoo Fantasy and you know you're reading any articles about any sports you love, you got to start reading mortgage articles. And yeah. and and that's how I shifted my focus. But back to relationship management, which is a huge one. I think what we had to work on for you. And I just want to come back cuz you said at the beginning that it was fear that that I kind of instilled. And I, and I do want to say that that's more of an old school mentality. I think it was more motivation than fear. I find that coaches now, I think it was, it was, I implemented that to have the respect factor and for you guys to have a little bit of kind of nervousness to say, I got to rock and roll or else these are the consequences, right? So just to kind of touch on that, I think it was sort of like a perfect storm. And the reason I say that is because I was 21 or 22 years old and you've already come at me with things that I didn't intellectually fathom yet to be motivational uh, pieces, but better yet, more of like fear tactics, fear tactics in my eyes, because I don't have the experience. I don't have the experience yet. So when you came to me and you said, Dan, if you get deals from the branches, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be a problem because they track that. Or if you said, you know, if you don't do a certain amount of volume, then we're going to have to chew on certain programs. Right. And, it, and it wasn't you scaring me. Like, it wasn't your intention to scare me. It was your intention to motivate me where it did. It did motivate me because I said, I'm not going to be in the bottom. It's not going to happen. I will do whatever I have to do to get to where I want to be. And I understand that not everybody wants to get to where I want it to be. And right. I still think that people don't and people are comfortable. Even if you do 50 million, good for you. That's excellent. It's fantastic. You know what I mean? I just wanted to always be the best of the best in everything that I do. And that's why I work so hard. Yeah. And we set behaviors proper. And, and, uh, before I jump into a, a final story, you know, relationship management, the last thing, and maybe we'll say that for another episode well, in terms of the importance of it. But I think, was I short sighted or was I just so passionate that if somebody were to say no to me, I would fight till I got it done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think in this business, you need to, you need to be able to, and I think we always say this, if an underwriter calls you and declines a deal is there's there's normally a way to work together to find a solution unless it's just way off and i think there was times where we can kind of get our heads wrapped around something where we're very passionate we believe in a deal and that's fantastic i love that we need to know when no is no and i think it's just it's just an evolution of understanding the importance of it and i think you've understood that over time you got to know how to take feedback and i always say this 
sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. That's right. You know, it's the reaction that counts. And so those are the types of things when you're talking to partners that go a long way. And so I think relationship management is a huge piece. I think we should probably save an episode for that. Okay. And and before we kind of dive out, I want to tell a quick story. So you were in the role. When did we go do that panel for the realtors? I was probably, so what ended up happening is because now we're fast forwarding a little bit because I was part of that office in Scarborough. That's right. Right. And then the office in Scarborough, no, that's not where it was. No, it was. How was I introduced to the broker owner there? I think it was one of my financial planners. Yep. Has a relationship with one of the broker owners in a Remax office that was north. That's right. It wasn't Remax yet. It was a smaller. It was Remax. It was Remax. It was Remax. Yeah, I thought it turned into Remax after. No, because the people that we had a relationship with in Scarborough bought them, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. So I ended up uh, fostering a relationship with a broker owner of a small brokerage, maybe 40, 50 agents in North uh, Toronto. And uh, they asked me to come and do a panel with a lawyer, uh, an interior designer, uh, mortgage, and then two top real estate agents from their firm. That's right. And obviously, I, I invited you, and we also invited CMHC, CMHC to come, which yeah, is the which Canadian was great. Mortgage Housing Corporation. Yeah, so quick, so quick story about this. We were up there. It's our first time doing a panel together. And I mean, I've been fortunate enough with the bank to do a lot of presentations, facilitating. That was kind of my my old gigs. I digress. We're sitting in front of the panel. And we're talking about the market and mortgages and all these types of things. And so, you know, they fire off a few questions and, and just, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk and not answer, you know, knowing the answers uh, myself. So a realtor asks a a pretty good question and uh, Daniel jumps on the mic and he's just like, thank you so much for answer, for asking me that question. It's a really good question. And he, he just starts answering and, and he's, and he's going off and he's doing fantastic. And then. Another, you know, it was very hard for me at the time to kind of get a few words. And then another realtor asked another question. And Daniel, again, just was so happy with how, you know, the, he was lighting up the room once again, says, thank you for that question. It's a, it's a really intellectual question. And he just starts answering again. And I think from that moment, we probably had a lot of people coming up to us after, but I, I just remember sitting there almost trying to refrain from laughing because it was almost like you're on one of those interviews with CNN where it's like you're doing this rebuttal and I think you found something in yourself. But it was that type of stuff that that we saw you grow and, and evolve. And, and I thought it was quite funny. But from your end, I mean, sitting up there, I know we were pretty nervous. And and I mean, you answered the questions fantastic. But I know we, we were telling little in, instant stories here, but these are the types of things that we did together to, to help you grow and what brought you and set you apart. I remember doing a few deals for some of those agents that, that were calling you right after. They loved yeah, it. That's right. So, right? I mean, I don't think I would do that today. Right. I do think it was hilarious. I and, loved it. It was a lot of fun. And in a lot of comedic satires, like in, in political movies, uh, where, where there's a comedy kind of element to it, a lot of the times the... Not the more arrogant, but the 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 not the runner ups, but the ones defending their title, so to speak, will do that because they feel comfortable in front of the audience that they've been in front of before. Yeah. So to show them that I'm comfortable to be in front of them and it's not I'm not this is home for me. I wanted to thank them for asking such great yeah, questions. Yeah, the one takeaway was we can't share a mic because I <laughs> wasn't able to grab it from you at all, which is thank God Max hooked us up with two mics here because I wouldn't I be left, able to speak. I left that panel with bruises on my legs. Thank well, you yeah, you. because I kept hitting you <laughs> under the table. Like, where, where, where are we on time? I'm trying to keep him on check. I couldn't get the mic, ladies and gentlemen, at all. 
And so I was excited. Listen, yeah. I'm passionate about this business, you know? Absolutely. And that's why you were from rookie to champion. And I, and I think that there's a lot of good takeaways for our, for our so, listeners. So really quick before, because I got a couple questions for you. I just want to run down and I want you to do it. Bullet point about what things brand new agents or mobile mortgage specialists should, should do in their first 30, 60, 90 days. To be relentless with their business, relentless with their time in order to be successful or get to where they want to be. So number one, was it was it writing down your goals? What was it, Paul? Well, writing down your goals is is absolutely important. You used to come with a book where you were collecting business cards. Obviously, maybe now with COVID, can't really do that. But I remember it was like when I used to collect hockey cards, you had that big binder with the pieces of plastic. And every day you'd come- Still got it. You'd come and you'd say, here's how many I collected. That's very, very important. Center of influences. White glove service, add them. Don't just focus on realtors, financial planners, insurance, solicitors, all that type of good stuff. Accountants, focus on those. Do not be afraid to ask for the business. Keep asking and asking and say, hey, listen, when are you going to send me that deal? Play on the sidelines for a little bit. You are going to get that opportunity because people go on vacation. People can mess up a deal. Someone can, you know, for whatever reason, get so busy that they're not handling a property. You are going to get your chance. Don't ever move away. Invest in your business, be smart about it, holiday gifts, funding gifts. So let's do dinners, let's, lunches, let's all that do, stuff. Let's do let's do like a segment, maybe sure, not this yeah, episode. Sure, talk about sure. how like because I want to get into the nuts and bolts about certain things. Like yep. because at the end of the day, it's good to ask for the business. And uh, I find that a lot of newer agents don't want to cold call, which yep. is totally respectable. What I will say is that once you get comfortable with that one agent, you should be able to come up to that one agent and say, hey. I've been doing good business for you. Can you recommend me to people that you yeah, work warmer with? Warmer froze. We'll definitely yeah. do an episode. I wrote that down here, but cold calling, I highly recommend it. Even open houses, highly recommend it. It helps you build thick skin. So a lot of good things, yeah, a lot of stuff skin. to dive into. It's very true. For sure. So now, you know, Paul has spent the last 27, 28 minutes talking about me, neglecting the fact that he was a, I think was a number one uh, sales manager in your first year, or was it top 10 in your yeah, first year? Not number one, but but I was up there, top okay. top quartile, and top. was named as uh, one of the champions at the bank that we worked at to go on a trip to be recognized for his exploits and his accomplishments. And I think that it's really important that if any leaders that we have listening or people that are looking to build a team or so on and so forth or want to get into that management role, listen to kind of how you got there. So I mean, why don't you just give us an an, an idea of what that looked like? And what kind of things did you have to go through in order to get to the top 10 or whatever as a uh, sales manager? Yeah, very high level. I'm not going to take too much time. We're reaching kind of our maximum here. I think one thing I always believed in coming into a new team was people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I had a lot of... Let's take a pause there for a second. Can you say that again? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you made... Every single person on your team, which was when I joined, I think a team of 22 or so, yep. feel as though they were the only mortgage specialist on your team. And I say that from experience. And I just wanted to cut you off there because you live, breathe that quote. I do. So Theodore Roosevelt. So I just want to you know, take a moment to say, it's not just a saying that you say, you breathe and live that. And I took over a lot of people that were double my age and any leader that's, that's a young leader, you know, you're going to have your challenges, but just honestly, if you care about people, you get to know them. For me, what's very important is what motivates every single one of you knowing a little bit about your families. That's that really does matter. I built my team like a sports general manager at the banks. We had different metrics. So you need, you know, specialty 
people that are going to work on insurance or that are really good with structuring deals. And then you have those heavy hitters, those those ones that are going to bring in the volume. So I can talk about building a team and, and really the focus. And then I just tried to soak, soak up as much knowledge as possible. We're in an industry where there's so many great people. I would go learn from the best and I would actually not look at myself to say I want to compete with them, but how can I just take what they're teaching me and be my own best version of that and put my own stamp on it. I never looked at the best as the best as my competition. I'm my own competition. And I think that's where that's what sets people apart because at the end of the day, if you want to compete with someone, you're going to start stepping on their toes. You may do things and that kind of buries respect. And I'm all about respect. And I think that we can both be at the top of the top of the table and, and have that respect factor. And the last thing was I did everything the company and, and whoever my leaders asked of me. If they asked me to go into the trenches, if they're asking me to push something, if they're asking me to focus on something, whatever it was, I had to earn my stripes. And once again, we talk about legacy. Legacy is over a long period of time. It's not just in, in a short period. And you got to do what your leaders are asking you of because they know you're a good soldier. So on that, no, 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 I, got, I got one more okay, question. Okay, Stop okay. trying to run, rush me okay, off the well, mic Okay, well, we here. don't want to be too long. That's okay. I got one more question because right. we keep talking about you being a sales manager at the bank, which is what I asked you. Yep. But you coming into the brokerage world, okay, yep. you're about a year and a bit in, like okay. really a bit, like I think a year and a month. No, it, I, think exactly was, I think it was in. a year. I think it was a year this week. Okay. I got a lot of You won messages. top 35 under 35 within like the first six months of you being here. You're on the 2020, uh, 2021 hot list. What did you do to get there so fast? Like, like teach us what we could do to be, be better leaders on the broker side as well. Yeah, it's a great question. I honestly, I, I came over, I came with a, with a fresh set of eyes. I, I really love the culture of being inclusive. I love the culture of having regular touch points, creating a, a culture amongst the team where we have great camaraderie and we have those team meetings, bi-weekly sessions. And for me, it was about a lot of people calling me and saying, what's it like over there? And I have been totally transparent with everyone. Whoever calls me, I say, here's the benefits of staying at the bank. Here's the benefits of the broker. Here's the pros. Here's the cons. You wait out. You do what's best for your family. I have never led anyone down a wrong path. And people that come over know that my goal is to make them all the top producer or hit the goals they want so that they can achieve as much money as possible for me. And I tell you this, and we're going to get into this later on. My best moments as manager or leader <laughs> was when you guys would call me six months, nine months, a year and say, I just bought a new car or I got, I just got a house or I just got a new ring for my fiance. Like that stuff is what matters to me truly. And it's not a joke. It's, it's not, it's not a facade. And so anyone that comes in and they sit down and I ask them what motivates them and they tell me, here are my goals, my three to five years. I just want them to hit that. And that's what it's all about. And I've been very fortunate to win those awards for building a team, but that's the truth. And we got a good thing going here and uh, looking forward to doing more in 2021 for sure. Okay. What are we uh, talking about next epi? Next episode, Banker to Broker. We just wow. gave a little precursor. Exciting that's stuff. Exciting. That's a wrap. Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this